Hey, Daily Punch listeners, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to the Daily Punch Extra. This week, we are dropping three bonus episodes of conversations that Jake had with top House Republican leaders who are down in Orlando, Florida for their annual retreat. All right, Jake, up top, we have House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. For our listeners who don't know, the California Republican Give us a little download on who he is and why he matters. Yeah, that's right. So Kevin McCarthy, is, as his uh, his title would tell, Anna, is the House Minority Leader. He's the Republican Leader of the House of Representatives. And um, we spoke to him on Monday, uh, April 26th, here in Orlando, where I'm standing currently right now. It's about 83 degrees, a uh, very balmy spring day here in Orlando. Uh, and we talked to McCarthy about a bunch of things, chiefly uh, his his prediction, his strong conviction and belief that Republicans are going to win back the House of Representatives. Uh, McCarthy was close to becoming speaker in 2015 when John Boehner uh, quit in the middle of a Congress and he pulled out of the race um, minutes before the vote. Paul Ryan became speaker. The rest is history, so to speak. McCarthy smells the speakership. We talk about this a lot, Anna, in, in our Punchbowl News newsletter every day about how McCarthy's chief goal is to win back the House majority. And um, uh, we talk about his predictions, what he thinks is going to happen with redistricting, uh, giving Republicans a big advantage in in a lot of different states and states like Texas and Florida, where Republicans have made uh, inroads and continue to be successful. So an interesting conversation uh, that I hope you'll listen to. Absolutely. All right. With that, we hope you enjoy this conversation between Jake and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Okay, so why are we why are we in Florida? Well, uh, I wanted to have a retreat, and you know you have COVID going on, so there's only certain states that you really could um, get together in facilities. I did want to wait in time that we had almost everybody vaccinated, um, and so there's an opportunity best to be here and talk about policies that we can move forward on. So you see, I mean, you're you're. Florida's a big story for you guys, meaning you're you've won a bunch of seats from Democrats in the South part, you know, in Southern Florida. Um, a lot of money here for Republicans. Even more recently, must be it's a big state for you guys now. Oh, Florida is a very important state. You know, Florida used to be a, a real swing state, it's trending more Republican. Um, you've watched the growth with the census numbers coming out. I think even later today, the possibility they're getting two more seats. Um, Texas gaining three. And a lot of that movement is based upon the difference between Republican and Democrat policies. You watch these states that have been run by Republicans and Republican policy. They've grown in the last 10 years. For the first time of California being a state, they're actually losing a congressional seat. Illinois, New York, they're all losing population. Because they're coming to Florida and Texas. Yes. So you talk about the fundraising scene here. Uh, is it mostly people that you knew from California, New York, Illinois? I mean, is it mostly people that you had relationships with other from other places? Oh, in the last quarter? Yeah, for, yeah Florida? For, in Florida. Well, th- there's a number of Californians who have moved here who have been supportive of me. But there, there's more people, um, too, that are watching the direction of the nation. There's no presidential election up next time. The Senate's going to have a very competitive map because um, not everybody's up. And they really view the House especially how well we performed when people didn't think we would last cycle. I've had a number of people call me and said, you know, I didn't believe you guys could do what you said you would do, and you actually did, and I want to be supportive of that. So give me your back of the napkin 2022 analysis sitting here, you know, April of 2021. Well, look, majorities are not given, they're earned. This is not like 1994 and 2010. Um, 
Why is it not like 1994 and 2010? Because you had to win 40 seats in right. 2010. Right. It's not people don't expect it. I mean, people now look, if you look at history, uh, the party in power, whoever wins the White House on average loses 27 seats. There's a five-seat majority. You got redistricting where states like Washington or states like Texas and Florida gain, but you don't know where the seats are yet. So the Cook Report will say from zero to ten seats. You don't know where the advantage comes if there is even one. Um, I think everybody knows the majority's in play. So the reason why it's different, the majority is in play. In '94 and 2010, at the beginning of those years, they didn't believe the majority was in play in the nation. I believe it is, and the Democrats. I think, believe it is, too. That's why they're going so far left, knowing that they're going to lose it. You look at retirements that have already happened, the target. You look at somebody like Congresswoman Axney in Iowa thinking running for Congress re-election is her third choice. You look at Stephanie Murphy, who thinks going to run maybe for the Senate. I mean, people try to move. I imagine Ron Kine, either he's going to lose his career in Congress, or he's going to think about running for the Senate or retiring. The number of these people are going to come up with these very tough decisions, whether they run for re-election. And I believe a lot's going to happen after Thanksgiving. Normal thing happens. You Look what happened to Republicans in 2018. We had the largest number of retirements that we've had before. I believe that same thing's going to happen to Democrats, or they're going to lose, and they're going to have to run in new districts and explain why they're condoning the language of Maxine Waters. They're voting for the most socialist agenda they've seen. Um, they're unpopular in the aspects of it, and they're ignoring the crisis along the border. Those are not prospects of why they can win re-election. When we sit here and talk at our retreat, I show them a couple different ads. They thought Joe Cunningham would get reelected. Even the even all the forecasters didn't even have it in a swing seat, pretty much, or that it was up as a toss-up on the day of the election. We won. Not one Republican lost re-election, first time since 1994. I promise you, it's even going to be a better year for us in 2022. You always tend to have some sort of um, random statistic about winning the majority. Was you don't win a, a majority without a football player being in? in the well, mix. no. I, I, so what well, is your 2022 <laughs> random piece of trivia that you, I, that you I, have for us this, this cycle? I study data, and um, I've looked at every of. Minority flipping to a majority. But there's, there's two indications in history that have happened before. And there's been two elections where the party in power, the White House, has lost, but they actually gained seats in the House, 1892 and 1992. And both times they won the majority two years later. <laughs> there you go. There's that's, your random. That's piece the of random that. statistic. Why? Okay, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Why is 2000? Why is 2022 not like 2002, right? When Let me just give some background here for those who don't know House history. 9-11 uh, happened the next year. Um, uh, Republicans, sorry, Democrats kept the House of Representatives, right? Isn't that, isn't that what happened there? Republicans uh, kept, they were- the Right, majority. sorry. <laughs> Republicans kept the, kept because, the House. Because you're, because, coming, you're because coming off the 2000 election, the party in power did right, not right, lose. Right. That's the only time in history. And why you actually said it, it was 9-11. Right, but so why isn't COVID as big of an event um, and getting over COVID and the economy well, look, well, as big look, of an event that <clears throat> Democrats can't keep the House? Look what you just said. 9-11, no one had voted on 9-11 till 2002. People have voted on COVID now. And I don't believe we're going to be stuck in COVID um, in the next election. Uh, what you're finding now is why are we in Florida? We're actually coming together. 
um, we're getting together. People are being vaccinated. We're finding the states that opened up and don't have the mask mandates are actually doing better than the ones that are still keeping. So all that, more than 50% of the country vaccinated. We have Congress that way. It, we won't be living under that same mode of COVID as we had before. So people are going to look at the policies. If you look at, we're coming up on 100 days of President Joe Biden. He has the third lowest number since Truman. Since Truman's presidency, his is the third lowest. Um, if you take, it, it's buoyed by COVID itself, but if you look at his performance on the economy or the border, he's in real trouble. And I don't see um, him sustaining himself. So I see his numbers even dropping lower. It's actually lower than where Obama was and actually Clinton. Both times we won the majority under those two as well. So they're in a, they're in a weaker position than they were then. So 94 and 2010, there were big you had big policy pronouncements. You led the the effort in, in 2010 of the Pledge to America. You're doing some of that here this week. Uh, what does it look like? What is, what is first of all, are you going to do like a big sort of rollout of a policy, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. We, I, I believe you, ha you have to show the American public how you would govern, wh where you stand. And so in this, in this conference, it's a little different than the past. Normally, you bring all these speakers in. If you notice who we brought in, we've talked about communication and we're focused on policy. Those are the two things we're dealing with. Um, I'm naming seven different task forces where everybody in the Republican conference is going to participate in one or two of these task forces, where they're devised from, be it health care, be it jobs, be it big tech, um, be, be it uh, a China policy, just like we did on the um, China task force before, where Democrats would ignore it. They will devise and write the policy and legislation that we will, we will come out with, and we, we will introduce it early. Um, when we did the China Task Force, two-thirds of all of the policy we brought forward was bipartisan. Um, and I think the American public wants to see that we have one voice, that we have a different direction in America of where we go. I mean, if you look at the polling, what's happening with the Democrats when it comes to trying to pack the courts, D.C. statehood, these are not things that people went out to elect them on. What's the bumper sticker for Republicans in 2022? A bumper sticker? Yeah, like what is it? Like, I, you know, I, I would say 2010, having lived through that election and covered that election, um, the entirety of it was Obamacare and government spends too much money. I mean, you can't. I mean, if, if it has to only be on a pump, well, bumper not sticker, that, but, but you guys you, can't you, make that you, you would either anymore. say a check and balance or you'd say fire Pelosi. Fire Pelosi again. Well, this would be for the final time. <laughs> you, I mean, you guys have been. And, uh, no, my, John Bresnan this morning said wrote. In our she is the most week. unfavorable person elected in America. How about if she leaves? Policy. How about if she doesn't last the entire Congress? The, the socialist policies are already taken over. If you look, the AOCs and the Talibs are further left than she is, and now you have Joe Biden in a bait and switch. Do that, could uh, could you haven't seen in a hundred days. Could Democrats use some of your? I mean, if, you if Nancy if Nancy Pelosi leaves, it is an admission that they failed. It is a admission that they will lose. Why would she lose? Why would she leave them if she thought they were going to win? She would only leave. Well, because she's she's no. in her lower 80s and she's no, been in Congress no, no, since no, no, 1987. No. Oh, oh, no. Everything we know about Nancy Pelosi, she would only be leaving if she knew they were losing the majority and she didn't want it on her record again. So you, so the bumper stickers, check and balance and fire Pelosi. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, news of the day, really quickly, my last question, January 6th commission, is there any movement on your end on that? I mean, have you heard from last week, Nancy Pelosi said you she know, made I, you an offer. You said you hadn't heard from her. You know, Mitch Have you heard from her again? No, I, I haven't talked to her about it. Mitch McConnell and I have both haven't heard from her. So, um, you know, we, I proposed this back in January 13th. Um, it's, Na- it's Speaker Pelosi who's just kept trying to make this political. And, and since that time, we've had Officer Evans who was killed over on the fencing um, by what I would say a radical political individual who um, wanted to change the course and killed an officer. We've just gone through a whole year of this um, violence when it comes to politics as well. I mean, I, I don't understand why she wants to keep making it political, even when you look at the bipartisan team of 9-11 who has told She says to. the, the, I mean, proponents of this say January 6th is a big enough episode that it needs its own sort of yeah. commission with nothing else. She, she wanted to start it with just one-sided um, all the way through. She tried to make it political until it's just being criticized by Republicans and Dems on both sides. And I think she, that's not the way to look at it. Um, I think everybody uh, condemned what happened on January 6th. There's not one American who thinks January 6th was something positive. Um, I think what people want to look at is how do we how do we solve our problems? How do we move forward? And do we want to ignore other problems? Or do we want to... Th- this whole political violence, so we're only going to pick one place? Let's solve the political violence in this nation. I think we want to solve it all, not just for the Capitol, but for the entire country. One last question. How many seats do you guys win in 22, if you're sitting, sitting well, here Well, the, the lines are not drawn yet. Um, you could win the majority just on those seats that switch. Just I don't know. I mean, you want to talk 94 and 2010, another thing different is redistricting didn't happen on those years. It's happening now. Um, you don't see where the lines are. You just see the population movement. So there's growth in other places. There's opportunities for us. Um, I think there's good. I think it's going to be a real challenge. If I was a Democrat today and I had served already anywhere between four, four terms or more, I'd be really worried about running for re-election. Think about what votes you're being put up on. You can't condemn what Maxine Waters said. And you got you got to go and talk to new voters. You've, you're going to vote for raising taxes, and you got to go defend that. You got to defend the trillions of dollars you're going to spend, but less than nine percent goes to COVID. You got to tell people that infrastructure is not bridge roses, roads or others, but you're going to subsidize electric cars. Now I know you have one, but that's only that's only three <laughs> that's that. only three percent that's only three percent of the country. And then you're going to you're going to raise 97% of the country's though utility costs to pay for something else. I don't think that's what America's looking for. Um, and and what I, what I truly believe is they want honest policies that're going to put us in a stronger place. And they they've watched what has happened before. They've watched when we lowered taxes that unemployment went to 3.5%. They they watched the strength of this nation. And then not no longer the Democrats just want to defund the police. They want to eliminate them. And that's what you got to run. I don't on think that. they want to eliminate police, but anyway, that's well. Well, how are they going to defend the members of their conference who say that? And those were the loudest voices that started with defund. So now they're moving to eliminate. So they're sticking, and they have to go knock on thousands of doors and explain their ten years in Congress that no, they don't stand for these. So things? is it as simple as some of these? You know, it's the security. You know, the the what we called in politics for a long time the security moms, right? People in suburbs all over the country who, who I mean, that seems to be what you're saying, that some well, of those well, dynamics. I, I, think, I, I think another difficulty that the Democrats are going to have is who runs as Republicans. If you look to Young Kim, Tony Gonzalez, um, Carlos Jimenez, and others, I mean, these are new faces in the Republican Party that's expanding this party. And 
I think you're going to see more people who view themselves and looks and say, they look and sound just like me and I'm going to run. So we're going to be stronger because of that. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy for joining us. And thanks for listening to The Daily Punch.